What's up everybody, Gen X Dividend Investor here. This is a fun video as I just hit my two year anniversary of retiring in my 40s due to dividends paying all my bills. So to kick things off, I ask you to please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Now if you're new to my channel, then I recommend you watch a video I recently did called my $2.6 million dividend portfolio, $90,000 dividends per year, where I tell you about my background and how I made my money, and I show you my 26 stock dividend portfolio in Fidelity. Stocks like J&J, Procter & Gamble, McDonald's, etc. Of course, in the last few weeks my portfolio has been trending down, but at least my income has kept going up. The TLDR in my background is that I've been investing in the stock market for almost 30 years, which means through the dot-com crash and the 2008 financial crisis, and I'm someone who is very passionate about dividend investing. I've never been given a dime nor won a lottery, and instead just kept investing since the day I graduated from college in the 90s and got a job as a programmer. I like stocks enough that I started an investment club with some friends shortly after I started my first job, and we formalized the club as a company since real money was involved. We had rules where everyone had to invest a minimum amount of cash each month into the company, money which was used to buy mostly tech stocks, and we would meet up for dinner and chat about which companies we would collectively invest in. Unfortunately, most of those friends quit investing after the dot-com crash because we all took massive losses. I started my dividend investing channel on YouTube over three years ago, primarily as a way to share my perspectives on investing with my kids once they were old enough to care. Over time I came to appreciate that I can influence lots of people around the world to invest, and that I get to learn and teach my kids how to start and grow an online business from scratch. Investing in finance is a fun and educational hobby, and I've been into researching, talking about, and ultimately investing in stocks for multiple decades. Like check out this email I got over 22 years ago. It says, Welcome to the StockJungle.com community. You've joined the jungle, the internet's first and only rated stockbreaking community where intelligence and accountability abound. I found that email in an old Hotmail account, which was a company Microsoft bought in 1997 and rebranded into their Outlook email. Back then Google didn't exist, so getting a free email account from Hotmail was a pretty cool thing. I actually signed up for multiple Hotmail emails in the 90s, and since relatively few people were using email around that time, I was able to get an email that was only a first name at Hotmail.com, and have been offered money over the years from various people who wanted to buy it. Which is funny because I actually get kind of embarrassed when I tell someone that I have a Hotmail email, but I use it for general spammy stuff and then I use Gmail for my more serious stuff. An old email is kind of like an old phone number. You hate to lose it because so many people you know have it. Anyways, when I started investing I was only making 30k a year, which is like 60k now, which is decent, but it's nothing crazy like some of the salaries I hear new software people can make these days. Still, it was enough for me to waste lots of money on girls and cars and travel and video games and such, rather than invest every dime I had. But I had some fun experiences, so it's all good. And more importantly, I did keep investing small amounts of money over a long period of time, and whenever I came into bigger amounts of cash, like from bonuses or from selling a house or whatever, then I'd lump some invested. Compounding is a real phenomenon, and I've seen how my retirement account grew to be worth over a million bucks today, even though I almost never invested the max annual contribution amount. Of course, if you really want to accelerate your gains, then live frugally and drive that extra cash into your portfolio. Okay, so after decades of compounding, I finally turned my drips off, which I shared in a video I did called Huge Dividend News about my portfolio. I can't believe two years have passed since then. I'm now an even bigger believer in how amazing and life-changing it's been to literally do nothing and get paid dividends from incredible companies that you're an owner in. And by nothing, I mean nothing. I currently have things set up in Fidelity so that most of my dividend cash flows directly into my bank account, and that auto-transfer feature of theirs was something I learned about this year. I can't tell you how cool it was to be on vacation in Europe a few months ago, vacation paid by dividends, and get notifications that new dividends have shown up in my bank account. I mean, picture this. 
I'm on a train with huge windows, traveling through the Swiss countryside with my family, and I can press a button on my iPhone to see that my checking account balance just went up because I'm getting paid some profits of the companies I'm an owner in. Your takeaway is to invest in good, cash-flowing assets rather than waste money on expensive brands that might make you look rich but actually slow you down from becoming rich. As I appreciated the scenery on that train, I remember thinking that I'll go to my grave being blown away at how amazing dividends are and how I desperately want to get the word out for people to invest. Dividends aren't a get-rich-quick thing, but they can be a great get-rich-slowly thing. Investing in quality dividend companies reminds me very much of working out. If you stick with your workouts and you educate yourself on how to train appropriately, and you do that for a long time, you can get that six-pack you might want, or you can bench multiple plates on a side or whatever. And even if you don't hit specific goals, you're still on a better path. And as you get new income streams, I think you'll find that not only is your financial health improving, but also your mental health is. One thing that I've realized this last year was that dividend haters don't talk about, or appreciate, the true benefits of passive dividend income. Dividends give you time, or at least free some of your time, and I think that's an aspect that isn't appreciated or acknowledged enough. Another underappreciated aspect of dividends is that they are cash flow without needing expertise or competency. Like, even if I'm dead, that dividend cash basically keeps flowing into my wife's bank account without her needing to know what stocks she should sell or how to sell covered calls or how she should build a portfolio or what price are good to trade out or etc. My wife is the best person I know, but she's terrible with numbers and stocks and blah blah blah, so simple dividend cash flow is a godsend. Saving time is a really big deal. People pay a lot of money in life to save time. Entire businesses have flourished just because they can do a task which saves you time. Dividends are truly the purest form of real passive income out there. Now there are lots of ways to make money in life. I recently got an offer on LinkedIn to consult for a software startup and it's nice being able to say no thanks because your dividends have been paying you more than you need. I've actually noticed that Fidelity starts processing a dividend a bit before it pays out. Sometimes it goes into that processing state on the morning of a payout and sometimes days before depending on weekend timing and holidays and stuff. Once Fidelity shows a dividend is processing then you can submit a trade on that cash but you can't withdraw it until around 9 p.m. Pacific on the actual pay date. Then it takes around two business days for your new dividend cash to show up in your bank account, whether you manually transfer it or if you've set up that auto transfer feature. Another benefit dividends have given me, which dividend haters don't talk about, is that I don't have to stress about selling shares in a down market. Sure, there are reasons to sell, and I did a video you can watch called When to Sell a Stock, but selling good dividend stocks is an exception edge case, it's not what your strategy is. I mean, look at what's going on right now. The SP500 is down 25% this year, but my dividend income is still mostly trended up. I've gotten dividend hikes from Realty Income, Altria, Duke, Caterpillar, and over a dozen others, and I'm guessing I'll see more dividend hikes before the year is up. In fact, Starbucks announced one today, and I think McDonald's is up next for me. That doesn't mean dividends are guaranteed to be paid out, nor does it mean they're guaranteed to go up, as we saw what happened with AT&T. But I've found that if you create a basket of solid dividend companies, especially aristocrats and kings, then you'll probably do quite nicely over the long run. What's really cool about dividend investing is that the markets crashing are meaningless to us. Unless you have to sell, then it's literally meaningless. Crashing is actually a good thing because it gives us a chance to acquire more cash flowing assets at cheaper prices. But if you're still feeling bad because your portfolio value has been crushed, then listen to Carlos Slim Hilo, one of the richest men in the world. He said, Courage taught me no matter how bad a crisis gets, any sound investment will eventually pay off. That's key to understand. Don't invest in crap. Always invest in quality. It's okay if you make some bad calls on your investments because everyone does. That reminds me of a quote from Ray Dalio who said, Don't try to time the market yourself because you'll probably lose. Competing in the markets is more difficult than competing in the Olympics. 
there are more people trying to do it and putting more resources behind it. Right now is when you'll hear more people talking about how they've called the top of the markets and that they're sitting in cash and they'll jump in when the time is perfect. I'd ignore all those people. Another helpful quote from another billionaire is Bob Parsons who said, The temptation to quit will be greatest just before you are about to succeed. That's kind of like the Harvey Dent Batman quote, which is, The night is darkest just before the dawn, and I promise you the dawn is coming. Anyways, a learning I had this last year was that investing in international companies can cause a material amount of volatility in your dividend payouts. I mean, I knew that could happen, but I didn't think we would experience the insane currency swings we've been having. Like, I invested in British American Tobacco recently, and my first payout was at 74 cents a share. I currently have 2,591 shares of BTI, so that should be an annualized payout of $7,669 a year in dividends. But at the moment I'm working on this video, the dollar is at a historic highs relative to the British pound sterling, and when I do the math it tells me that their current payout would only be at $0.58 cents a share per quarter. That would equate to an annualized payout of about 6000 bucks. So just due to currency changes this year, my annual amount of BTI dividends have fallen by about 1600 bucks. That's over a 20% drop, simply due to currency fluctuations and the dollar getting stronger relative to the British pound. Now if I was a British person living in England, then my payout from quarter to quarter would have remained the same. I either paying out 54.45 pence per share per quarter, and there are 100 pence in a pound, kind of like there are 100 pennies in a dollar. With 2,591 shares, I'd get paid around 1,411 pounds per quarter. And regardless of what currencies do, I'd keep getting paid 1,411 pounds per quarter. The upside is if you're an American and you travel to England, then you have 20% more buying power now. So like if you exchange $100 a year ago, they would have given you 74 pounds. Today if you exchange $100, they would give you around 93 pounds, aka you're getting more spending power. But the downside means if you're British and traveling to America, then your money has 20% less buying power in the USA. It also means some imports are more expensive for British folks, and it means that some British companies are paying more for materials to build their products and so costs will be pushed out, further driving inflation up. At the same time, many US companies have relied on a weaker dollar to boost sales by making their goods cheap when selling internationally. So due to a stronger dollar, I'd expect to see downward pressure on some of my US companies' earnings in the short term. This whole currency thing reinforced why I prefer owning US companies rather than international companies, as I like less volatility. Now it's not all bad news, as I'm sure in the future the dollar will get weaker compared to the British pound sterling, and at that point my BTI dividend payouts will go back up. I've been thinking I'd like to invest in some Canadian banks in my retirement account, as that way I can avoid the 15% international withholding tax that I'd normally get with Canadian dividends, but I'm not sure if this currency business will irk me too much to do that. I don't know, some of those Canadian banks are great businesses that have paid out beautiful dividends for over 100 years. Anyways, that BTI situation is an example of how your dividends don't always trend up. Regardless, my big message for this video is that dividends work, they are as amazing as they seem, and in the second year of being financially independent due to dividends, I only feel stronger about them than I did in the first year. But over this year, I've still seen a bunch of comments that show me that some people don't understand dividends enough. A comment I hear now and then say that dividends suck because the taxes on them suck. I don't know, they didn't suck for me. Six months ago, I turned in my taxes for the 2021 tax year, and I owed zero dollars in federal income taxes due to my dividends. Is zero dollars sucky? What are you smoking? Hopefully it's something from Altria, Philip Morris, or British American Tobacco, all of which I'm long in. But if you still think the taxes suck, then maybe you should lay off the puff puff a little bit since you're obviously clouding your vision too much. Go outside and take a walk. Which reminds me, I was taking a walk this weekend with my wife and we stopped and chatted with various neighbors along the way. This one neighbor is in his 70s and has lived in the neighborhood for a long time and he loves that he gets to see his grandkids almost every day. So it surprised me when he mentioned that he was going to start a new job. 
He said he'd been retired for almost a decade, but with the market dropping 25% and looking like it could drop a lot more, and with inflation at almost 10%, he's no longer confident that he'll have enough money to stay retired. He had built up a retirement portfolio and is doing the classic 4% rule, where he sells off 4% of his portfolio each year and then uses that amount, along with his social security, to pay all his bills. But as things keep falling and as inflation has shot up, he's been getting pretty stressed about things. I tried to lift his spirits by saying the markets could go up or even sideways for the next decade, but then he said he'd still be screwed even if it went sideways because he was planning on inflation being at 2% not 10%. And while he thinks inflation will eventually come under control, he's totally freaked out about running out of money and living too long. Man, it really sucks that he's worried that he might outlive his portfolio. I started talking to him about dividends, which he was aware of, but it had never occurred to him to focus on dividend income and he was too scared to change things at this point in his life. I explained that he didn't need to change everything, i.e. he could still go along his 4% path, but maybe he could also start investing in a dividend ETF as he gets more investable cash from his job. Anyways, I took three lessons from that interaction that I'll share with you. Number one is that the 4% rule sucks. As a refresher, the 4% retirement rule is a guideline that suggests that withdrawing 4% of your savings and or portfolio each year will give you a 95% chance of not running out of money by the time you die, and that 4% withdrawal amount is adjusted for inflation each year. So like let's say you had a $100,000 portfolio when you retire. 4% of that is $4,000, so you would sell four grand worth of stocks in the first year and use it for expenses. These days inflation is around 10%. That means in year two you would sell 10% more than the previous year to maintain your style of living, aka $4,400 worth of stocks, and hopefully your portfolio would have appreciated some. One reason I think the 4% rule sucks is inflation. During periods of high inflation, such as what we have right now, the CPI adjustment to your withdrawals could cause an individual savings to erode faster than the 4% rule normally was estimated to do. Another reason I don't like the 4% rule is that it doesn't exactly account for a market crashing and staying down or going sideways for decades. I mean the rule was created by looking over broad periods in history where things did crash and went sideways, but if we go into something worse than we've experienced then the 4% rule will fail faster. Another con to the 4% rule is that it doesn't account for your lifestyle changes. And then another downside to it are potential tax implications. What I mean is the 4% rule doesn't account for taxes, which can vary greatly based on where the investor lives and what kind of account they're taking money out of. Like 4% coming out of a Roth is a lot different than 4% coming out of a normal retirement account. And then 4% of your portfolio would go a lot further for people living in Tennessee, which is the sixth cheapest state to live in right now and which also no longer taxes dividends, versus someone living in Massachusetts or New York or Hawaii or any of the high cost living states. Anyways, it gets even worse than that because the original inventor of the 4% rule said it now needs to be changed. In fact, recent research published by Morningstar said that the 4% rule would only have a 50% chance of your money lasting 30 years. And to raise your chances to 90%, you would have to be on a 3.3% rule, i.e. you need to be taking out less money so that it has a higher likelihood of lasting longer. But then another company came out and said it needs to be even lower at 2.7%. That really sucks and there's a huge difference between 4% withdrawals and 2.7% withdrawals where the estimating error could wreck your financial future. The guy who invented the 4% rule also changed his guideline for how much stocks and bonds you need to hold in retirement, which has multiple cons to it. Like that means that people in retirement need to be financially aware enough to even know that the 4% guideline has changed and they need to know that it's now recommended that a different composition of stocks to bonds in their portfolios are needed. Bottom line, you're still worrying about that you might outlive your portfolio. To me, it's pretty clear the dividend route is the safer and better path. And the nice thing is that the dividend route still has a safety net of selling stocks if they need to, as a fallback plan as opposed to the primary plan. One nice thing about a portfolio of quality dividend stocks is that they've outperformed non-dividend stocks, on average, over much of history, including around the world. 
Hartford Funds found that companies that grew or initiated a dividend have experienced the highest returns relative to other stocks since 1973, with significantly less volatility. Thus, even if you have to sell some dividend stocks, odds are they'll have made better returns for you than non-dividend stocks, and you've been getting dividend income all along. As always, what happened in the past doesn't mean it will happen in the future. Now, some people will complain that many dividend hikes aren't keeping up with inflation this year, but as I've shown you in a previous video, studies have been done that show that dividends have had greater hikes overall than inflation has gone up, so don't tunnel vision on our current 10% inflation edge case and think it applies to everything. And the fact that dividends have often beaten inflation also means that your spending power tends to trend up over time. That itself is also better than the 4% rule, since the 4% rule has your purchasing power going sideways rather than up. I definitely sleep better at night knowing my dividends are flowing in. Plus, the dividend investing strategy is a more positive uplifting one based on abundance rather than constrained by morbid hopes that you don't outlive your portfolio. Now, getting to a point where dividends can fund your entire retirement is obviously challenging. So a hybrid approach is still worth considering, where you live on your dividends as much as possible and then you sell some of your stocks to make up for wherever you fall short. Leave me a comment if you'd like me to make a video where I estimate how someone would do if they had a strategy of living on some dividend income as well as selling some of their dividend portfolio each year. Okay, the second lesson I took from talking to my neighbor is that it's never too late to invest. Just because you might be older doesn't mean you can't push into dividends. Getting some dividends is better than getting no dividends. Just make sure those dividends come from great companies, as you never want to invest only because a company has a dividend. Regardless, you never know how long you're going to live, so building any additional income stream now should help. The fact is there are massive amounts of capital being poured into longevity technology, and between things like CRISPR and nanotechnology and genetic engineering and new medicines and treatments, you might very well live to be 200 years old. And the last 30 or 40 years of your life might be when your portfolio grows the most. I mean, take a look at this net worth of Warren Buffett over time. Check out where he was when he was 50 and compare that to where he's at now at 91, and you'll see that he made over 99% of his net worth after age 50. 99%. So don't tell me it's too late or whatever. Don't compare yourself to Buffett, but do learn from him. The reality is that you can make your future much brighter than you think is possible. Just keep investing. Aristotle said, We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not an act, but a habit. Who cares if you can't get to a seven-figure portfolio? Focus on first getting to a four-figure one and then go from there. Okay, now the third thing I took from my neighbor is that the majority of people aren't educated to the potential of what dividends can be. I still get comments from people who say dividend investing doesn't work. Like here's a tweet from a dividend hater who, earlier this year, said, These dividend investors are too new to investing to have lived through a true bear market. They will feel the pain at some point. Dividends do not protect in a bear market. Watch, you'll see what I'm saying. So he made multiple mistakes in that tweet. Number one, many dividend investors have been investing for a long time, including through multiple bear markets. Two, he doesn't know the history of good dividend stocks. Had he done basic research, he would have learned about dividend aristocrats that have protected people by being companies that not only pay dividends, but also increase their dividend every year for 25 plus years, not to mention dividend kings that are even more impressive and have done that for 50 plus years. That doesn't mean that every aristocrat or king is guaranteed to keep doing that. But having a basket of quality dividend stocks can keep your income flowing in, which is a key focus of dividend investors. Heck, it's just logical that great companies will keep paying dividends. I mean, even if we go into a horrific depression, will people keep going to McDonald's? I think so. Will they keep using band-aids? Yeah. Will they eat, drink, use their phones, blah blah blah? If your answer is yes, then those companies will probably keep paying out some of their profits to their owners like they have for a very, very long time. I did a video I recommend everyone watch called Common Misconceptions About Dividends where I try to clarify things for people who aren't aware. 
Anyways, another learning I had recently was that my retirement account, Infidelity, was configured by them in such a way that drip dividends didn't calculate cost basis properly for some reason. So I had to call their customer service and get them to fix the issue. Apparently they sometimes configure retirement accounts in a way that doesn't track cost basis because most people don't care. Okay, another learning I had was that many people who want to retire are unaware of how they can get health insurance outside of work, especially if they have pre-existing conditions. Well, I have pre-existing conditions, but I was able to get cheaper health care than the Cobra I had after I left my job, and it's almost exactly the same coverage. Specifically, I got health care on the exchanges. So that's how you can do it. The reality is that almost everyone wants financial independence, but only 1% of people retire before age 50. 1%. If your desire to accumulate cash flowing assets is more than your desire to spend, then I'm sure you'll be part of that 1%, or at least we'll be well on your way. You just gotta start and not quit. That reminds me of this team building exercise I did at work once, where we were given 20 pieces of uncooked spaghetti, 1 yard of tape, 1 yard of string, and a normal marshmallow. The contest was to build the tallest structure with the marshmallow ending up on top within 15 minutes. I later learned that this exercise was an experiment run with different groups, including elite MBA students, lawyers, CEOs, and kindergartners. It's pretty fascinating what they found. The MBA students immediately began talking and thinking strategically. They examined the materials and started defining roles on their team, like who the leader was, who should be a designer, and who were the builders. They started brainstorming ideas, and everyone is asking intelligent questions, and they debated different approaches. They quickly created a list of the most promising ideas and how the structure should look and they voted on them. It was professional, rational, and intelligent. They realized time was ticking by, so they used the approach they had voted on and they divided up the tasks and in the last few minutes they started building. Now these students were the best of the best, coming from elite Ivy League universities. They managed to build a structure of spaghetti holding up a marshmallow that was a bit less than 10 inches tall. Now in that case, 10 inches ain't all that impressive. The experiment was run multiple times with MBA students around the country and overall they averaged 10 inches. They also did the same exercise with lawyers. The lawyers outdid the MBA students and averaged 15 inches. The CEOs did even better and they averaged 22 inches. But it was the kindergartners who beat all the adult groups multiple times at multiple schools. Kindergartners managed to build structures that averaged 26 inches tall. 26 freaking inches. How the heck did those little guys and girls outdo some of the most brilliant minds out there? Well, they took a totally different approach than the adults. They didn't strategize, they didn't analyze, they didn't talk about their experiences building or solving puzzles, they didn't ask questions or refine ideas, they actually barely talked at all. They weren't smooth or organized. They just grabbed stuff on the table and started building stuff for fun, with no strategy, no nothing. When they spoke, it was in short bursts like, ooh, look, or try this, or whatever, and what they did was quickly try different approaches and fail fast and iterate quickly. They weren't trying to show off or whatever, and if something fell, they giggled and tried something different very fast. My point is that if you want to build a big dividend snowball, then start. Just do it. Now, it's not a perfect analogy because I think you need to invest intelligently, but don't be stuck in analysis paralysis. Investing is a lifelong journey, and your learning should never stop. Starting, struggling, making mistakes but not giving up, all that's part of the process that will ultimately bring you success, and it will be more than just financial success. I've come across people on social media who have a mindset where they think they'll always lose. They've conditioned themselves in believing that nothing they will do will let them win. That's called learned helplessness and it reminds me of someone I used to work with named David. This guy was super bright and was one of my tech mentors at one of my first jobs. David was like Linus from the Peanuts gang, or maybe he was like Eeyore, in the sense that he always had a rain cloud over his head. Everything was a problem in his life, nothing went his way. He felt he had terrible luck. He always talked about his failures and mistakes and was honestly the most beaten down person I've ever met. 
Look, everyone has troubles. Some people are way in debt. Some are addicted to things. Some are going through terrible divorces. Some have nasty health issues. Some just got fired and are freaking out. All that sucks, but you can make your future brighter. It's okay if you've made mistakes in the past. Forgive yourself and move on. Or maybe you need to forgive others. Forget the mistakes, remember the lessons. Don't let the fear of failure hold you back. I've learned over and over that people who succeed are the ones that just do it. They just start. Start the YouTube channel. Start the blog. Don't give up. Go after that relationship you want. Start working out. Don't wait for the economy to be perfect or the market to be perfect. That doesn't mean be reckless, but it does mean do it. Ask yourself, what would you do if you literally couldn't fail? What company would you start or what book would you write or what thing would you do if you literally couldn't fail? Would you start an EV company? Would you want to be a U.S. Senator? Do you want to act in Hollywood? Do you have a screenplay idea that you'd love to see as a movie? Whatever it is, I encourage you to chase your dreams. Do that thing you'd do if you couldn't fail. You don't have to do it quickly, just start heading down that path and don't quit. And do the same with investing. Start and don't stop even when the market looks bad. Okay, another thing I've learned in the last year is that some people chase yield more than I thought. Like here's a comment I got from a guy who saw my recent portfolio update video and said, I don't consider this a dividend portfolio with the low yields. This is dividend growth. A dividend portfolio would bring in 20k a month with that amount. So first that's weird because he says it's not a dividend portfolio, it's a dividend growth portfolio. Maybe I'm being pedantic, but isn't a dividend growth portfolio still a dividend portfolio? Regardless, my overall average weighted dividend starting yield is about 3.6%. Now to be fair, he's probably complaining because my two largest positions are also my lowest yielding ones in Apple and Microsoft. But I make enough in dividends as is without needing to sell low yield stuff for higher yield stuff, and both of those positions have some of my best total returns. And so he's saying I should be yielding 20k a month, which is 240k a year, and thus given my total portfolio value, he's effectively advocating for an average yield of 9%. I personally would be concerned with an average yield that high, and I bet it wouldn't perform as well as mine will do in terms of total returns as the decades go on. My goal is to get the income I need to be retired now, as well as deliver solid total returns as time goes on, as I want my future generations to also benefit from my portfolio someday. Anyways, in this second year I've got to hear a lot of interesting feedback from other dividend investors out there. Like I just got a comment from a subscriber named Delbomb3131 who said that he invests in some REITs and MLPs in a taxable account with the goal of having enough dividend income to pay his bills in case he loses his job. So he's okay holding REITs in a taxable account even if they aren't ideal for that type of account. But over time he plans to evolve things. Cool, I can respect that. I really appreciate having a social media platform and getting to hear other people's stories. Countless people have told me that they enjoy seeing the details of my portfolio and what I'm doing, as it gives them motivation as well as educates them. I get concerned that some people might get turned off by the relatively larger amounts, so my goal is to help those people focus on things they can learn from rather than feel jealous about. Like when you're at a stoplight and someone pulls up in a Lambo, be like, cool, a Lambo. But don't be like, blah, I'll never own a Lambo. Or hey, at least laugh at me when my portfolio drops hundreds of thousands of dollars on big red days. Seriously though, Join up on my dividend discord and be part of a growing community of dividend investors who are supporting one another in these crazy markets. I've noticed that less people invest as the markets crash and some people get so turned off by all the red that they eventually quit. Heck, I was talking to my daughter the other day and she's annoyed because she's seeing so much red in her portfolio lately and she's like, why don't I just put my money in the bank? Feelings like hers are normal and are a big reason why investors leave the markets. But being part of an investing community can help motivate you to stay the course. A fun realization I recently had is that I now enjoy dividend hikes even more than I did a decade ago because a 5 or 10% increase now means a lot more in dollars. 
I mean, like when my portfolio is making $200 more a year, I think, neat, that could be a few more fun pizza dinners, or whatever. But it is still strange watching videos or reading articles from people who are supremely confident that dividends won't work or are terrible. I guess if you're someone who has weak hands and can't commit for the long haul, then I can understand why you wouldn't do well with dividends. But I hope you succeed in whatever path you take. Now to close things down, I'd like to do a quick pitch. Please consider clicking on my Amazon affiliate link in the description of this video and then go shopping online. That's a nice way I can get a small commission from what you buy and it doesn't impact your prices. So it's a helpful way you can support my goal of educating the world to the wonders of dividend investing. I also have some hilarious investing merch which you can buy using my Teespring link. I automatically donate 10% of my merch profits to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, one of my favorite charities. And now I'd like to shout out my latest YouTube subscribers who have signed up to support me on Patreon.com at the Aristocrat tier. So thank you Cool Guy Storm for signing up as an Aristocrat. Thank you Printed and More. Thank you Pistol Pete. Thank you Vino. Thank you Jacopo for signing up for an entire year, which gives him a 10% discount. And thank you Polaris for also signing up for an entire year. Patreon aristocrats and kings gain access to my dividend portfolio tracker spreadsheet tool, along with they gain access to multiple private channels on my Discord, including one where I let people watch my videos before I release them to the public, as well as I often let you vote on which thumbnails I use for my new videos, or what title I should use. Kings also get to have a private 30 minute monthly voice discussion with me. Note I currently have no more king or aristocrat slots available. I provide more hands-on support to people who sign up as Patreon aristocrats or kings, so I have to limit how many people I'll let sign up to those upper tier Patreons. But as I continually automate my spreadsheet more, working with my partner Men8V, then I'll allow more people to join up at the Aristocrat tier, so if you do want to sign up then just check my Patreon page every so often. Remember, I'm not a professional financial advisor, I'm just some random guy who loves dividend investing and wants everyone in the world to invest intelligently. The best investment you can make is in educating yourself. Anyways, if you made it to this point in the video then please hit that thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. And don't forget to join my free Dividend Discord chat server, a place where thousands of dividend investors come to learn, hang out, and chat. Thanks for watching, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.